1: Right, guys welcome back to the agent investor podcast I'm your host Tom Caffarella. we've got a great guest uh from Utah Cody Steck. um welcome Cody thank you super excited to be here I love talking about investing thank you yeah we um we both had some tech issues I, we were trying to figure out who to blame uh, but we're we're both on our <laughs> iPhone <though. laughs> yeah it, didn't blame me'll take- yeah who knows who it was but it doesn't matter we're gonna um have maybe a little bit of an unconventional look, but we're gonna deliver all the information that we need to help all of you agent investors um, take your investing to the next level. So um, Cody, like I mentioned you know, a couple of minutes ago before the show started, can you kind of just give our listeners a little bit of background about like how you got into real estate, um, why you got into real estate and how you started investing kind of like the, the origin story for yourself?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I got into real estate um, you know, obviously, I'm an agent as, as well as I think probably most of the listeners are. And I got started on the investing side. I, from whatever, for whatever reason, from a young age, I always wanted to buy my, my first house as quickly as I could. So saved up some money. I was just working, you know, dead end jobs, whatever, going through college, made it two years through college. And during that time, I actually saved up enough money to go out and buy my first townhome and bought that townhome, lived in it, uh, you know, moved out of mom and dad's place. And uh, after making one mortgage payment, I decided, wow, this kind of sucks actually having to pay a mortgage that's like half your income. So I uh, decided to get some roommates and started house hacking, basically got two roommates to live in the other two bedrooms. And that's when it kind of clicked for me. I was like, wait a minute. I was paying you know roughly twelve hundred dollars to live here. Now I'm only paying four hundred, you know, which was the cost of my my room after the rent of the other two. And that kind of got my wheels spinning. And and I thought, you know, what if I just moved back in with mom and dad, rented out my bedroom. Now I'm just renting it to three single guys or whoever. And now I'm cash flowing on a property and I I don't have anything out of pocket. So that's kind of what got me started on investing. Um, From there, I kind of just went down the rabbit hole of reading about investing, you know, bigger pockets, looking at YouTube, uh, just talking to people in my local market and started going to some local investment clubs. And then that's kind of what led me to getting my real estate license. And so I got licensed, started selling real estate just because I enjoyed the process so much. And then from there, uh, you know, early on, I started a lot of my investing was just house hacking. So I lived in that one, that first house for about a year and a half. Um, I found a seller finance deal that was uh, on a single family home and it had a basement apartment. So we seller financed that my wife and I moved up, moved into the upstairs And uh, we rented out the basement. And then, you know, from there, it was kind of the same thing for two or three houses. And then over the past couple of years, I've just started buying uh, mostly duplexes, but a couple of, you know, varying properties to to kind of continue investing.
1: So one thing that agents and really anybody that wants to invest always kind of get caught up in is the down payments and how am I going to afford to keep buying more properties? And you mentioned seller financing, which is something that like, before I got into real estate, like you'd reading in a book and you'd be like, Oh man, that that's not possible. It can never happen. Or like, how would I ever go about doing it? So because you mentioned it, like, can you give us like a little bit of example about like how that deal was structured? Sure. So I actually found that deal. Um, I, I went to a local
2: investment club, started talking to people, um, got on a couple, you know, buyers lists for, for investor, wholesalers generally who are sending out deals that they find off market. And, um, found this deal at the time, uh, I made an offer, uh, on the property with, it was basically matching the terms that they were asking for. So what they wanted was the way that it was kind of structured was it, it was more of a lease option than like a true seller finance. But, mm-hmm. uh, in, in my mind, I kind of look at them as, as roughly the same, um, because I got moved into the property, um, with a with a lease option, but the entire amount of the rent was going towards paying down the principal that I had to pay off within 12 months. So mm-hmm. I basically, you know, got that lease option, everything I paid in rent went towards paying down the mortgage. And, um, and then at the end of that 12 months, then I just cashed them out, I actually ended up selling the property, uh, it needed a lot of work. And there was another opportunity that that came up that was, uh, you know, I needed the cash for. So Um, we ended up, we ended up selling the property after about 12 months, took that cash, rolled it into the next deal. But that very first one, I mean, it was just word of mouth, found the investor. They said, here's the terms that we want. Um, I don't remember the reason why they, they wanted those terms. Um, but for whatever reason they did. And, and so we put a deal together. So the
1: seller themselves were saying essentially that they wanted to do seller financing lease option out of the gate or they wanted some other sort of terms and then you kind of talked them into doing it that way.
2: Yeah, no, they wanted it initially. I don't remember the reason why. Um, I got, I'm trying to remember why. It was It was like five or six years ago. I can't remember exactly what it was, but they, they wanted the seller finance terms right off the bat. They didn't want to take the tax hit of selling the yeah. property um, because it was kind of a weird situation. They'd been living there, but not really. They had some special stuff going on. And, uh, like I said, then I ended up selling it instead of, you know, refinancing it.
1: Yeah. I think this is the first time that like, I've really heard anybody ever acquire a property in that way where the seller was the one kind of driving the way that they were going to sell that property creatively. But that's interesting. Bottom line there is like, you kind of mentioned, you were on a bunch of different lists, analyzing a bunch of different properties. So how did you create that deal flow?
2: Yeah. So, um, Man, it's been really tough. Uh, the last couple deals I bought, uh, the last one I bought was off, actually off the MLS, so I just found it on the market and you know n- negotiated it and got it done. Um, the two prior to that came from a relationship. Uh, that very first townhome I had, I I actually sold it. I had a ton of equity from you know over the years. Ended up doing a ten thirty one exchange. And as I was getting ready to sell the property, I had already found a, a buyer for it who, who said, yeah, you know, I'm looking for a rental property. Um, the numbers look good. And, and so we kind of just said, hey, if you give me the flexibility on timeline, uh, I'm going to do a 1031. And during that time to find those two other deals that I rolled it into, it was just a networking thing. I, I'd called another agent friend um, of mine who does investing. And yeah. uh, we were chatting about something. And at the end of the call, I said, Hey, I've got some 1031 money coming up. Do you know, you know, I'm looking for a duplex or a triplex or whatever. And he said, yeah, actually I do have one coming up next week. You know, do you want it? And so I got in before it even hit the market. He represented me on the deal. Um, and you know, it was good for him. Good for the seller. It was a quick, clean, easy deal. And I got in, you know, maybe 50 grand under, under the market value at the time. So deal flow to me, uh, Man, I mean, you can find deals on the MLS. I see people flipping houses on the MLS. I see people buying rentals on the MLS. 95% of the stuff, at least in my market, is going to be overpriced when it hits the market. You're really looking for that one deal that is the numbers are good, right? And maybe that's because it needs a little bit of work. Maybe they've underpriced it because they just don't know the true value of it. Maybe they don't know what the rents are. Maybe the rents are low. You know, you're looking for that one deal because most of the stuff on the market is going to be overpriced, at least in my market. And uh, the numbers are just not going to make sense. So MLS is great, but also networking, you know, going to these investment clubs, talking to fellow agents, just getting the word out there, you know, almost every single time I talk to another agent, I say, Hey, I've got some money. I'm looking to buy a rental. Do you know of anything? You know, just a quick, like little plug and, and what goes a long way for agents. uh, If you tell another agent, Hey, I'd love to have you represent me on this. That that's like gold to them, right? They're like, sweet. I can double in the deal.
1: Um, and that, that goes a long way. Yeah. And I think like, it's interesting because, you know, I talk to so many agents who like want to invest and they, some of them kind of the fact that they're an agent almost as like a, a negative to being an investor. Like I don't have time to be an investor where like what you're saying and what so many people who invest a lot that are agents always tell me is like, no, that's actually a benefit. That's how I get deals or how I, find them or, uh, you know, like I buy deals that my clients don't want, like just, just all these like different things that like, to me, it doesn't take a lot more time, but because you're in the game, um, you know, you come across more opportunities. Now you said that, um, so you got licensed after you did, after you bought your first property, was it? Yep. So when you, when you did get licensed kind of like, and I know, you know, not to like steal your thunder here, but like, you know, you've, you've grown a lot kind of as a, a licensed agent. And I think you're top 1% of all agents in your state. Um, yeah. So when you when you originally got your license, were you thinking that you were going to push that hard, kind of like down the retail road? Or like, what was your plan then? And how does that change this time has gone on?
2: Yeah, so when I got into the business, uh, when I got licensed, I initially looked at it as so I was in college at the time, I I was just coming up on finishing my associate's degree and i was one of those guys that was going to school for absolutely no reason it was just like that was i don't know that was the thing to do so i was in school had no idea what i was doing i was going for for a business degree whatever that means and you know it kind of hit me i'm going to get out of school and get a degree and i don't have a job lined up i'm not going anywhere so that's kind of what led me into like you know what let's try this real estate thing so i wanted to do more investing at the time i was incredibly naive and didn't know much but i thought you know, this is obviously a good gig. There's a lot of rich people out there that own real estate. So, you know, must be, you know, something must be working for them. So, uh, decided to get my license because I just, like we just talked about a second ago, I, I knew it was going to be easier, right? It gives you access to the MLS you're in front of more deals. You're in front of clients who maybe are in a tight spot or know of a neighbor who's trying to sell. I mean, when you're just in the game, you just. You hear rumors, things come up. I mean, it, it's just, it's a, it's definitely like a, you know, the, the more time that you're in the game doing that stuff, the more opportunities you come across. And it's all about just having conversations. So, uh, most of my business for real estate, you know, sales, the retail stuff, it is just buyers and sellers. I do work with a handful of investors, um, as well. I've done a couple land deals recently. It's, you know, but it, it was never really my, my vision, what I've always done is, is said, I want to make as much money as I can selling real estate and then I'm going to funnel that into investments. I mean, over the years, I don't know, maybe 60 to 70% of my income has gone towards these investments that I've made. And, um, you know, I, I'm going to continue doing that until, you know, I grow a
1: pretty pretty big portfolio. Yeah. Until that income overtakes your your active income or some, something like that, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, so I mean, that's another thing that well you just said that you're you're taking 60 to 70% of what you're making and investing it. Um what have you done to kind of live below your means? Either to to make so much that you you're able to save that much or just live below your means throughout the course of of time to have that much to invest. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. So a big part of it um I mean I always I grew up middle class, but it was always kind of like ingrained in in my head just from the way that my parents raised me was like you had to decide if you really needed stuff. You had to be frugal. Um, so I've always been a frugal person uh, when it comes to just daily expenses. But a big one was house hacking. I've just uh, recently stopped doing that. I was actually doing that in my own personal house, and we just stopped maybe about four or five months ago, um, just because we, my wife and I, we've got two kids now. We're kind of at the point where it's like, hey, let's let's have our own house. Uh, we've kind of been tired of it. I mean, we've been doing the house acting for the last, uh, I think it was maybe seven years or so. Um, so that was a big part of it because it kept our, our housing expenses low. That, that second deal I was talking about that, that seller finance one, um, the, the payment on that was about 1400 and I was renting the basement in that house for about a thousand bucks. So my, my total all in for me and my wife was $400 and we were living in a great house in a great neighborhood and you know, it was 400 bucks is like our living expenses were $600. So that's been a big thing for me personally, is like, you know, house hacking. I think, again, for anybody who's in a situation where they can do something like that, you know, buy a duplex, buy a house with a ADU or a mother-in-law apartment, basement apartment, whatever, um, and rent it out because keeping your expenses low is, goes a long way. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I, I make a pretty healthy income now, but I was still house hacking four months ago just because it's like, hey, yeah, I'll take an extra 1500 bucks a month. You know, I can keep my expenses low and just funnel more of that, imp- more of that uh, money into more investments.
0: Let's take a quick break from the episode. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there.
1: So how many years in total were you house hacking for?
0: So
2: I bought that first place uh, in August of 2014. Uh, we, I house hacked up until 2019. There was a small little portion of time in there where we didn't uh, maybe like six months or so. And then just about four months ago, we, we stopped. So 2014 to 2022, that's seven and a half years
1: minus six months. So it's about seven years total. You know, what I like to do anytime that, you know, I talk to anybody that's successful is like dissect like what made them successful. And, you know, what I what I see a lot is people they want to have success without sacrifice. And I think you'll admit that like probably doing the house hacking wasn't such a huge sacrifice. It wasn't like, you know, you you went without food or, you know, you you weren't like, you know, killing yourself, but it's something a lot of people are unwilling to do. And you said, you know, you did it for eight years. And I think um there there's a saying and I'm gonna screw it up, but it's essentially like, you know, you live ten years how other people won't. So you can live the rest of your life like other people can't. And every time that I talk to somebody that's had, you know, good financial success, there's always things that they were willing to do, sacrifices they were willing to make that propelled them, you know, forward. And now you've gotten yourself into a point where you're like, hey, I don't really need to house hack anymore. I've sacrifice, but I'm still, I'm sure you're still making sacrifices in your life today and sacrifices in your business every day. Um, they're helping you to kind of go to the next point. Um, which brings me to, you know, the next question of like, what, now that you've kind of, you know, gotten a bunch of rental property portfolios, your cash flowing on all those, you built up some equity, you're, you're making good money as an agent. Like, where do you want to go like five or 10 years from now with both your real estate Businessing your investments.
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so, with my real estate portfolio, it mostly consists of duplexes. I've got a couple other properties that are that are different than that, but um, it's mostly duplexes. So, for me, you know, it, it's been—I've actually been going through this for over the past six months or so. I've I've started thinking, you know, how do I branch out? What's that next step for me? And I kind of come to the conclusion that you know, jumping, it's just jumping into bigger deals. You know, I look at at people who are ahead, you know, there's another YouTube guy, Ben Mala. Um, He's he's a funny guy on YouTube. And, you know, he's got a portfolio of, I don't know, people say $250 million. And, you know, one thing that you will learn watching him is he talks about uh, the 1031. He says the 1031 is the best thing you can do to build wealth for your average guy who's not starting the next Facebook or whatever, you know, like unless you're, if you're not starting a massive business, like the 1031, because of the tax benefits that come with that and the ability to roll that equity over, um, when you, when you couple that with appreciation, you can roll up to those bigger deals and it gets easier and easier and the numbers get a lot bigger. So that's kind of my path is, um, you know, over the next five to 10 years, I'm going to start rolling a lot of these duplexes. Um, maybe into, you know, bigger multifamily stuff, eight units, 12 units, 16, it just depends on what comes up. Uh, the market's really competitive right now. So it's hard to find, it's hard to find those deals. Um, but that would be kind of the goal, either going that route or rolling into, you know, some small retail stuff, uh, commercial, you know, going into, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking probably like strip mall type stuff, just because it's kind of um, Amazon resistant. Uh, you know, people always need the barber shop or the nail salon you know those are things you can't get on amazon so um that's kind of where I, I plan to go on the investment side uh but at the end of the day right now i'm still i still feel like i'm super early on and i'll look at anything you know i'll look at a hundred thousand dollar deal if there's money to be made in it it might be worth my time um but i'm also looking at million dollar deals too you know and and the thing is like we talked about a little earlier you can find money you know if it, the, the last deal I did I had no money out of pocket um, so you can find private money you can find seller finance you can find people who are willing to lend you the money if you've got an actual deal the money's easy to find so that's where I plan to go on in the investing side as far as the agent side um, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing The thing that's nice about being an agent um, is the longer that you're in it the easier it seems to get you know yeah. because people people know but you've got some experience. They know your name. They know that you're the real estate guy, whatever. And you know, I've been, I've been licensed for uh, this will be my seventh year. And uh, it's, I'm at the point where it's like, I just get calls, you know, like I'm big on YouTube. And so I get calls from that, but even just past clients and stuff, uh, they'll call me and, and say, Hey, need to sell my house. And it's like, cool, easy deal. Right. So uh, I just plan to continue growing that.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. um, It's funny. You know, you talked about like the money will come when you have a deal. And I see so many people like they worry about getting the money first. And I always say people like, where's the deal? I don't have one. Well, then the hardest part right now is finding the deal. And if you have a market, I mean, again, this is like market specific where we're at today, talking February 2022, like there's more money out there than there is deals. But don't worry too much about like you know uh finding money unless you don't have it unless you have a deal um and then the other thing um you know that you mentioned that you know I can give you some perspective from you know what I've done and what you know my company's doing now is um we started out buying all two and two and three unit um buildings and what we found is we started to accumulate a bunch of those like they're hard to manage because they're all over the place you've got so many roofs so many like everything so yeah. what did is exactly what you know you did you're talking about doing, which is selling off some of those assets or refining some of those assets and putting them into bigger buildings. Which um, the way that we're getting around, like the deals being so difficult to find, is we're building the apartment complexes. So, you know, again, just kind of like future pacing it for you, kind of a little bit. Like it, it the it, the law of averages, like having one roof, having like one everything, it just makes everything a lot easier um, yeah. to do. But, um, but for everybody who's, who's on the podcast, like, you know, all, all that you have right now is all that, you know, most people need, right. If you've got, you know, 15, 16 buildings or, or whatever, like that's, you know, a success in itself, but it just kind of goes to the point where like, every time you reach a goal, you're like, okay, look up and Hey, what's next. And there's always more that you can kind of do. Um, but talk a little bit about like, the people that haven't taken a step, like the people that have gone to real estate seminars or like they want to invest and they're scared and they haven't, you know, done it yet. What's the biggest piece of advice that you could give to a successful agent that hasn't taken the leap yet?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So the first thing that I always come back to, I I know a couple of those people who have money, they have really good incomes, um, and they want to invest in real estate, but they're just too conservative, too cautious, too, consumed by the analysis paralysis whatever um so i I know people like that personally and the thing that i always say you know to get over that and start taking steps one two three to get you to actually owning a deal number one you got to know your numbers you know know what your numbers are and know what your objective is right are you investing for appreciation are you investing to park cash are you investing for cash flow what are you looking to invest for right what's the what's the reason why you want to invest um Maybe it's taxes. You know, I see a lot of uh, really uh, wealthy investors who are like, you know, buying deals at super low cap rates just for taxes. So every person's situation is going to be a little bit different. But figure out what those numbers are, and or you know what that reason is, and then figure out the numbers behind that. So for me, a lot of it's been cash flow focused. I thought, you know, hey, if I can buy a deal and it cash flows, I don't really care how much equity I've got. I don't really care how much you know, if it goes up or down or whatever. And fortunately, things have all gone up over the last, you know, six, seven years. But um, as long as it cash flows, I feel like I've got pretty good insulation, whether the market's up or down. So from a long term perspective, that works for me. My, My strategy is now kind of shifting where it's not as much cash flow focused. But, you know, I need a deal that at least breaks even or has massive value add. So figuring out why you're investing, what you're looking for. And then from there, it gets a lot easier because if you know your numbers and you know, hey, I need a property that cash flows $200 per month. You know, maybe you're just getting started. You're looking for a single family home, a town home, whatever it might be. And you just need that first deal. Uh, if you need a property that cash flows 200 bucks a month, when you see something pop up that looks like it might be a deal, you run the numbers on it. If it's at 200 bucks a month, you just got to pull the trigger you got to make an offer. Um, and that's something I've learned over the last couple of years, especially uh, as the market's gotten more competitive is if you'll see a deal and it matches your numbers, make and make an offer, even if it's less than what they're asking. If they want 500,000 for the property, but for you, the numbers make sense at 450, just make an offer at 450. You, know, you never know if they're going to accept it or not. Um, so that's really the starting point, I think, in my opinion, is like, figure out why you're investing, know your numbers, and then start making offers based on what works for your numbers. Awesome.
1: And so obviously throughout like the course of your career, like you've gotten educating in a bunch of different ways, like what books do you read? What, um, what podcasts do you follow? Like, how do you stay educated and what would you recommend to the people who are listening to kind of, you know, gather some of this information outside in addition to watching the agent investor podcast? Absolutely. Yeah. Um,
2: Man, uh, books, uh, I love books. I love reading anything about, um, real estate early on. I read a lot of just, you know, real estate and uh, the, the Gary Keller books, real estate, uh, million dollar real estate agent or whatever. I can't remember the name of it. The big red one. Um, he's got that same book, but in, in the investing form, it says real, you know, million dollar real estate investor or something. Um, I've read both those books early on. And those are both game changers, especially if you're an agent and you want to invest. Those are the two books I'd recommend for sure um, as a starting point. So early on, I read everything, you know, from anything I could find that was real estate related. And you, you kind of realize that like real estate, it's just the same thing over and over. So I don't read a ton of real estate books anymore because I don't need to learn how to run my numbers or find hard money or do a seller finance deal. I mean, I've kind of just built up the education for that. So that's no longer serving me. So a lot of the books I read now are um, actually like mindset books and um, more like time management. So uh, a couple that I really like, if anybody's not read this book, absolutely have to read this book. Um, It's a game changer. It talks about what's essential in life, how to maximize your time, how to stop wasting time on $10 tasks and start focusing on the $1,000 tasks. Game changer. I really like Ten X by Grant Cardone. Uh, he's kind of a character in himself, but I think that book is uh, really good as far as like kind of just the premise that it teaches you of of you got to take a lot of action. You know, it's not going to be easy. There's going to be sacrifice, and you just got to think bigger because there's a lot of things that are possible. So as far as books go, you know, it's a lot of for me at this point. It's a lot of mindset stuff. It's a lot of um, you know time management, I guess you'd say, and you know with with podcasts and whatnot. Same thing. It's a lot of mindset stuff. I th- I feel like you know, everybody at some point in their career will come across a point where you've got the information, but you yourself are holding you back. It's your, it's your thoughts, it's your mind. It's, it's, it's the negative thoughts that come up. It's maybe, you know, oh, I can't do that, or I don't know how to do that or whatever. It's all in your mind. So getting past that, I believe if you're not there yet, you will hit that point some at some point And, um, you know, overcoming that and and getting to that next level or, you know, getting, getting past that is going to take you to that next level.
1: Yeah. So a couple of things that you said that I want to, you know, key in on as we kind of like wrap, um, like as people are kind of like listening to this, that it's just the habits of successful people are, it's crazy. They're 90% the same. And in terms of like reading or following people or being on YouTube or, you know, listening to different podcasts and stuff like that, what we find I find most often we, when we interview people is you ask them that question and they're like, oh, you mean out of like the 200 books that I read in the past like few years? Like, and, you know, it, I'm not surprised that when I asked you that question, you had a book sitting right next to you that you could pull out, right? So it's the type of thing that if, if, you're, if you're committed to being successful in real estate or any field, but, you know, we're talking specifically about real estate, like you've got to be a lifetime learner. There's no such thing as like, hey, this is the one book you read and then you stop then. Um, it's continuous. And then the other thing that you said that I think is is interesting is just like the real estate business specifically, it's not a complicated business. It's really not. And like everything that we do in order to be successful, whether it's an agent or investor, it's very simple. Um, and there's somebody in my office, a good friend of mine, he always says, well, what we do is simple, but it's not easy. And it, it definitely applies to real estate, being a real estate agent and a real estate investor. Most of us, and it ties into your your mindset thing, most of us really do know what to do. It's just a matter of whether or not we're doing it. It's like, okay, we know how to make money. We know how to get into shape. We know how to live a better life. But are we doing it? Like, as you're talking about, like, your your main focus now, when you are educating, it's like, I know what to do, but I have to get my mind right to make sure that I'm doing it every day. Um, so I want to thank you, um, you know, for jumping on today. I know we had some technical difficulties in the beginning, um, for any of our listeners who want to learn more about you or reach out to you in any way, what's the, what's the best way they can learn more about you or connect with you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm happy to help. If anybody's got questions, they want to pick my brain or whatever, uh, I'm an open book. I'll tell you all the numbers, the finances, everything. So I love talking to people and, and helping. I love giving back, you know, um, that's something that's been really important to me throughout this process. I got to pay it forward. So uh, you can reach out to me. My email is pretty simple. Uh, Cody at fast Just like it sounds uh, I'm sure maybe you'll have it in the description or show notes or whatever. And, um, or you can find me on YouTube. A lot of my real estate business uh, including investors that I work with comes from uh, my YouTube channel. So if you just type in Cody stack, real estate, um, one of my videos will pop up and, and you'll be able to find me there and, and learn more about me or what I'm doing or, or whatever. Maybe that's an introduction to just kind of what I'm doing.
1: Cool. All right, Cody. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. And guys, we'll be back again next week with another episode of the Agent Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Caffarella. I'll see you guys next week. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to Agent Investor and especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. And stay tuned for the next episode of Agent Investor.